This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. All right, y'all. Checking in from Austin, Texas. It's Wednesday afternoon. We might actually publish this podcast right afterwards. I'm here with Jade Bryce. Um, it's pretty trippy. We're, in, we're definitely in a vortex of sorts. So <laughs> let me see where to begin. Actually, the last two podcasts is a current is just a general update on me. Our Tribe Design 11 went awesome. Our next event will be June 6th in Colorado with our facilitator training being May 5th. And we have actually we have a very special announcement that includes one of the perks of being part of the training, which I was just telling Jade about. So this is like the early announcement because it technically is supposed to be announced tomorrow. Um, is there's an opportunity to tribe design and in, in, in a live-in situation. So you, one of the perks of the membership is in the training is to actually live at one of our tribe houses. So our first tribe house will be open to that group uh, May 5th. So, wow. Wow, that's quick. Yeah, and you, it's really interesting as Jade was looking for a communal living situation. Mm-hmm. She, that's what she said she, when she walked in. So there's some sort of vortexiness yeah. going on here. Um and how we know each other, it's really also trippy because you came to the Tribe Design Microdose, but it seemed like you weren't sure how you got there. And I was the only lady, so I was like, crap, is this an all men's oh, man. event? That I no, just... I think there was, wasn't Lauren there? It was very male dominant. But she was there to babysit This the one was very male dominant for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, and I, that was amazing. Um, I don't know how I got there. That was what tripped me out. And that, that's one of my favorite <laughs> things about um, when people come to the Tribe Designs, especially my favorite testimony is like, I don't know why I'm here, but I'm supposed to be here. I like that one. That one that one makes me, it makes me believe in the ethos. One of the ethos of Tribe Design is heart sync over group think. So can we disagree as leaders of our own lives and our communities and still team up? Even if we disagree about God, sex, or money. Can we? I, I would like to... I try, Make the case for the other side, at least. Yeah. My aim with my life is to have a flexible mind and an open heart around that. And I think that Jade and I will let, <laughs> let's kind of ride up this vortex together and explore um, some breaking normal topics. And before we do, as an intro to you, what I know about you so far, <laughs> I was saying from a brief Google search, what came up was... Uh, I, I told her and I, an absurd amount of social media following. It seems like you have over 4 million followers on Facebook or on something. On Facebook, yeah, yeah, but that's all over the world. So. <laughs> yeah, well, regardless, I was like, what, who, what? Wow, how do I not know this person? And we've gotten to know each other since then. And then um, also what came up was Playmate, um, Ring Girl, I believe. Um, and I personally, from our brief conversations, am most interested in you being a mom and mm-hmm. like the way you're breaking normal with that. Yeah. And and being a, a an outstanding mom, like a shining mom. Oh, I, I got to actually meet you with your kids, yeah. and that was it was brief, but she showed up to our microdose experience. Like, not only experienced it, but her kids had their own experience, and yeah. she was able to watch. I try them. to bring them to that stuff as much as possible, and ecstatic dance, and just expose them to those things, so that later that's what they'll choose, you know? Yeah. So, yep. Yeah. And talking about that, I would love to jump right in there as a mom, yeah. just some like you were a what she told me that you have your kids sleeping in their own space. Cause we were exploring this communal living mm-hmm. idea. And she's like, well, I wouldn't need two bedrooms because my kids sleep seven to seven in their room. Yeah. And I don't want to mess that up. It's so important for brain development that they have 12 to 14 hours of sleep. So us sharing a room, I feel like wouldn't be the best optimum optimal health for them either long term 
What was that, uh, the number of hours you said? 12 to 14 hours. Of sleep or alone uh-huh. time? Uh, like, no, sleep. So it's recommended that they get like 11 to 12 overnight and then like one to two, maybe even three during nap. And when you say they, are these kids in a certain age range? Yeah, kids up until age five, I think. It may be six, but I know it's up until at least five. Wow. And yeah. how old are your children? Um, Jaya turns three in July and Sol turns four on the solstice in June. So. <laughs> okay, can you tell us a little bit about that um, soul, the name, the solstice? Yeah. And I just wanted to point out to definitely check out the video, n- not only to be grateful for uh, Jade here, you'll see her shirt, but there's this cool uh, sign behind you. Have you seen that yet? No. Uh, do you want to read that? She needed a hero, so that's what she became. That's good. That's fitting. It is. That's what I feel like we're here to explore, to be grateful for that. Um, yeah. So what is salt? What does that mean My to daughter you? woke up this morning and the first thing she said was she, because every morning we say, it's a great day to have a great day. And then we say, thank you, God, for another day. But this morning I said, because before we do anything, that's like, that's the, the thing that we do every day. But I said, okay, Jaya, what do we say? And she goes, it's time to be a hero. <laughs> that was her mantra for today. So is that usual or no? No, she's never what? said it before. She's never. Okay. And I said, note, I said, everyone. where did you learn that from? And she said, I teach it myself. <laughs> wow. Wow. So. And the sign here, the quote is from unknown. So interesting. Oh, it's Jaya. <laughs> oh, wow. That's definitely a breaking normal affirmation. Thank you, God. It's yeah. a great day to receive that affirmation from you. It's time to be a hero. <laughs> yes. So their names you wanted me to talk about? Yeah, I would like to. I mean, so born on the solstice. Like, what does all this mean to you? You're, I feel like you're hinting at some very meaningful topics to you. Well, our show slogan on the Magic Hour is be a light. But I've been saying that for, like, when I used to sign the 8x10s at the Playmate shows or at the Bellator shows, I'd always sign it be a light. And so I wanted my first kid's name to be something along the meaning of be a light. Um I thought about all the people that have inspired me and how they've been a light to me. So I thought about naming him after, you know, one of them, like Tom Shadyac or uh, Emerson. It could be so many different people, right? But um, soul means peace in Hebrew and light in Spanish. So I kind of felt like that's the, it kind of fit together. And then we chose that name and then found out that his due date was on the solstice. So it just kind of confirmed his middle name is Murray after Bill Murray um and it's funny because in a plant medicine ceremony uh one time I I always merge into my kids and get a message from what they're needing at the time and when I merged into soul for the first time he said be careful to never squash my spirit my silliness like let me be goofy um because I'm going to grow up to be a leader that heals people through comedy. And so I don't know if that means like Ellen or Bill Murray or, you know, who knows, but um, it just, it fits so perfect too, because, you know, his name is Sol Murray. So I loved it. (laughs) Wow. And Jaya, um, (sighs) Jaya means live victoriously um, in Sanskrit, but when I was 24, I went to an ashram in Brazil for six weeks and um we watched a documentary called happy have you seen it it's on netflix if you haven't seen it is that does it take a lot of place in denmark 
A little bit. Yeah, about a little yeah, okay. bit. It's so the happiest Deanna's country. from yeah. Denmark, and there's a lot oh, wow. of sync. Um, keep going. I'm just like okay. seeing if I can keep note of all the so, notable synchronicities. <laughs> so happy. Um, we were in Mauna, like a purposeful silence throughout the uh, retreat for the most part. But Friday nights, we'd watch a documentary and discuss it. So we watched Happy. And I had just come through a very dark time in my life at 23, 24 when I went to this ashram. So we watched Happy. And I just think this is so in alignment with what I want my life to be. And um, the shaman at the end said... Uh, the guy who created this documentary was supposed to be here to spend time with us and talk to us, but he just gave, his wife just gave birth to his daughter, Viva. And I was like, okay, well, I don't ever want to forget this moment and this time of breaking through this darkness, so I'm going to name my daughter Viva. This is when I'm 23, 24. So then fast forward like three years later, and I'm on the beach at Tom Shadyac's Laird's there, and uh, it's New Year's Eve. We're around a bonfire in Malibu Beach. Everyone's just playing, and they're happy, and it's just – it was, it was just such a great time, and I had just moved to L.A., took a huge risk, stepped out of another huge dark stage in my life because I've struggled with depression throughout my life and suicide and anxiety. So I get there, having the best New Year's Eve I've ever had, and I'm so glad that I pushed through. And this little girl starts pulling on my pants, and um, the mom, who looks a lot like your wife, says, Viva, you're going to pull her pants down. Leave her alone. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to name my daughter Viva. I uh, saw it in this movie, Happy. And she goes, yeah, that's my film. Me and my husband made that film. And so my best friend Tom, I didn't know, he had produced it. So I was surrounded by all these people that, you know, I watched their art, their work years ago and said, this is what I want to align my life with. And three years, so I made, I manifested that. Three years later, I'm spending New Year's Eve with them. So at that point, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm never not naming my daughter Viva. So I chose Viva Carunia, but her dad thought that was way too out there. So it'll have to be my next daughter. <laughs> Although I love Jaya's name too. Wow. Um, all right. Let's start. <laughs> that, I mean, that, or what year was that, by the way, that gathering <laughs> on New Year's? Do you know? Oh, probably 2010. Might be 2011. Hmm. Yeah, I've always had, I've New Year as April is very significant for me. April first, April Genius Day, April first is mm -hmm. when I proposed to Deanna, and then we got married wow. the next day, April second. Wow. Divina was born April seventh. Uh, my brother's fiance's April second mm -hmm. is her birthday, and then uh, Jordan, who you met. She sh he shares the same birthday as Davina, April seventh, and I bought this mm. breaking normal bus that had eight four seven. I it, was, it gets crazy, crazy. crazy. So that's why I was like, so so when is the solstice? Is that the change? June twenty first. Is that the same every year? Or every it, year. Okay. It's the first day of summer. And so he was born on June twenty first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then all right, so as when the, the sun was setting, yeah, he finally uh, came out. <laughs> and the song to make it even more cheesy, the song "Here Comes the Sun" by the Beatles was playing. When they, because I had a C-section, so they cut him out, and the doctor even was like tearing up because she was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yep, and here I am holding this beer, this Malibu Nights, yeah. which is a night where I was, yeah, yeah. when I wanted to choose Viva. Wow, I'm happy we're taking note of all this. I feel like <laughs> these are good affirmations to the vortex that we're going upward, upward in the spiral. So you said merging into your um, son for the first time through a plant medicine ceremony. Mm -hmm. What was this? can you give a little context of what that was going on there? Yeah, have you experienced it? Um, merging with someone else, or yeah, mer like I, becoming someone else in in medicine. I 
would not say it in the way that I, my guess is not in the way that you have in mm. this experience. Yeah. So sometimes I merge into someone that I love. Other times I'm just inside my heart with someone. Like one time me and Tom Shadiak were in there, um, like doing patty cake inside my heart, just having like some playful time. And, um, other times I'm just with someone, but our souls are like, there's no skin between us. But when it's my children, I always literally become them. Like I'm merged into them. I can hear their thoughts. I can feel their feelings. And, um, I've done it more with soul than with Jaya, but with Jaya, it's always very, um, very girly, very quirky. Um, and this last ceremony last weekend, the big message from her was I'm learning right now. She's two and a half. I'm learning right now what love is. I'm learning right now what to choose in my future and in my partner. Um, so just to be mindful of that, you know, especially in this transition. Um, you said she's two and a half. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so that I, I was curious to like that. For, do you remember that first time you merged with soul? soul uh-huh. that, what was what was that the context of that ago. experience? So when you say plant medicine, are you we're talking about like ayahuasca or usually ayahuasca? I also do huachuma. Next Saturday, I'm gonna do a mushroom ceremony followed by huachuma. So that'll be really powerful. But I typically um, feel really close with ayahuasca. I feel like she's a teacher of mine and a mother of mine, really. So um, or grandmother. So I, um, I, I do practice with her pretty regularly. This last, um, Saturday, as well as giving me that message with Jaya, she, I had no idea because it's so easy for us and especially in our culture to be addicted to something that we wouldn't consider an addiction because it's not alcohol or drugs. And she showed me my mind overstimulated from always having so much caffeine and so she was like cut it out you know like you don't have to cut it out completely but like knock this off because you're not you're not living your utmost potential the peaceful present woman that you want to be because your mind is like so um stimulated from caffeine all the time so I'm currently at halfway from what I normally have. What kind of caffeine content are we talking about? Do you know measurement-wise? Like, are you taking like four cups of coffee a day, or are you doing? No, well, I, mean, I have a big pot. Or? I have a big pot, but I think I might just be sensitive to it, and I think I'm really reliant on it. Um, so, I mean, I trust the medicine. I trust that everything she says. But yeah, when when I received that message, I would have never guessed that I had an addiction to caffeine. But now that I've cut back half, it definitely feels like I'm letting go of an addiction. It's very hard. So. Uh, addiction is a crazy topic. I don't know mm-hmm. what I, add, addiction is almost like the word God or truth in the sense that I think it has so many subjective mm-hmm. uh, experiences around that one word. But I, let's, I just want to talk about the caffeine thing. <laughs> I, yeah. So I experiment like once a week, not doing things I usually do, including mm-hmm. caffeine. Mm-hmm. And out of all the uh, things I've ritualized, whether it's caffeine, cannabis, tobacco, beer slash alcohol. Um, caffeine is the one that maybe intimidates me the most really? if I was going to say no to Probably it anymore. Probably because you're a parent. <laughs> I, it's been, I, like, say, I think need. it's the most physical <laughs> though. It's, it coffee. feels like the most physical withdrawals for well, me. Well, and it feels so good. Yeah, well, yeah because it, it, um, it keeps the blood flow from your brain like it keeps it from being the percentage that it normally would be. So our brain get gets used to that. So we really feel it. I'm sh- but I mean, alcohol is one of the hardest things to give up on your body as well. But um, yeah, caffeine, it like, it really affects our brain. That's why. 
Yeah, and I've been reading this book, uh, How to Change Your Mind, from Michael Pollan. Have you? Oh, so good. You've read this one or Uh, or listened to this one? He's amazing. Yeah, there's another, there's another thing that I I just, someone just told me about him yesterday coming out with a new book, but I can't think of the name right now. It might be that one. It's about the like psychedelics basically. Mm -hmm. And then he was really focusing on LSD and mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot about, um, probably experiences that you've had how when you it's not, what you said Wachuma. what's why Wachuma is a cactus okay see cactus ever since i've been here i have i've had this craving especially actually around june 1st yeah we're actually thinking about procuring an experience for me and some others of some sort of like sweat lodge cactus fasting hunting experience mm. and so maybe now you're here to tell me about uh well Wachuma. um so ayahuasca's you know Spills. It looks like it feels she's a good. feminine um t- she's like very feminine energy um huachuma's grandfather wisdom so he's like a very masculine energy but he uh huachuma is very aligning with the chakras um i'm able to see my chakras and sometimes other people's uh the first three at least and then the crown but there's a noticeable difference in, this sounds so woo-woo, but there's a noticeable difference in your chakras when you take Huachuma and then after. So, um, for example, when I did Huachuma, so my spirit, my animal ally is the Japanese red fox. So often when I take medicine, I become a Japanese red fox and I learn so much from that animal. But the first time I did Huachuma, my head went like all the way back to where it was like, this was touching this. And it was like, I was thinking I was going to hurt myself or this shaman was going to have to come over and help me because it was, it was painful. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to snap my neck. And I would, you know, you always have these thoughts on medicine, like I'm going to die here. And my kids are going to think I, my, their parent was a hippie that just died on drugs. And you know, you always have that moment because it's, you have to die to yourself to like get this new life wisdom. So I was going through that. But then my throat opened up and I thought, oh, my throat chakra is opening up. And I said, I'm going to speak my truth. And then Huachuma kind of, it's very gentle teacher was like laughing and kind of like, no, a little more humble than that. Um, and my heart caught on fire and like aligned with my throat chakra. So Huachuma was like, you're going to speak in love. A lot of times when you speak your truth, because I'm getting through, um, I'm str- I struggle with codependency on people who have addictions with alcohol due to me trying to heal um, my childhood or my parents. So um, I'm learning now, instead of filling that hole by trying to heal other people who have addictions, I'm learning to mother myself. That's my current mission. But my, um, my message there with the aligning chakras was that when I do have those people in my life that I speak truth to them, but out of anger, because I'm angry with my parents for being addicts. So the message there was to always speak in love or else it's not going to be effective because anger doesn't, it doesn't work. Wow. Yeah. Good, good topic. (laughs) I got a haircut today and the girl was talking to me about anger, actually Mm. how she's teaching her son about anger. That was just like, she kept telling me about that today. Really? Yeah. And you said you have to let them feel it. Yeah, it's so important that we let our kids feel the anger, right? Yeah, tell us, tell me more about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what I think it's that? so quick for us as parents to, as soon as they have a tantrum or as soon as they scream or as soon as they start crying too loud, we just tell them to stop. You know, it's almost like we're telling them that these emotions are not okay to feel instead of teaching them what to do with the emotions. Um, and I think that 
the best book I can recommend if, if anyone struggles with this is called The Conscious Parent by Shafali Tasbury. So that book has been my Bible ever since having kids because it's funny, I, I've asked for a decade now, I've asked the universe for patience because I really struggle with patience. I always want things right now. I want to talk about it right now. I want to handle it right now. I want to know where I'm going to live right now. And it's funny because the universe always gives you what you need, right? And so now I have these two toddlers that throw tantrums and the universe kind of laughs like, you asked for patience. So here's your greatest test at um, perfecting that in yourself. But um, yeah, I think that it's easy for us to forget or it's hard for us to remember that our children aren't ours because we tend to, especially as women, I don't know about for men, but since we had them in our womb and they came out of us, I think there's something subconsciously that we think we created them and we own them. And so we have the right to conform them to the image we want our kid to be, right? But we're not God. We didn't create them. We were just the vessel and they have their own life calling. And um, I just think it's so important for us to remember that um, they're not going to be who we imagined for them. Like we can try to manifest. We can try to speak that over their life. We can try to encourage things, but they're ultimately they're going to choose their own path. So all we can do is like really just try to be a coach or, you know, the the best example possible Um, because they're going to mimic what they see. So instead of like getting on to them for being angry, just teaching them how to deal with anger, making sure that they see you be angry and, and how you deal with it in a, in a conscious way. Thank you. I think, yeah, I, th- I think, I think. <laughs> I, so I, I have this thing, one of the things that I do, and I don't know how much you know about me. That's a, another question, but yeah, we're going to have you on ASAP. So I'll and find out a lot. Yeah. Soon. Uh, then what, how do people find your all's podcast? Real the quickly? magic hour and magic is spelt with a J instead of a G. So it's the magic hour podcast. And what does that mean to you? The magic hour? Yeah. Like I, the significance of that. I feel I, I am, I uh, judge you to be in a flow state of sorts. So I'm being um, purposely di- not too disruptive. So if you have anything to add. No. About. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. I think we wanted something that, my co-host's name is Mercedes. My name is Jade. So we wanted something that was like Mercedes and Jade. So the magic hour, because we're going to talk about all things that give magic in life. And our whole slogan is just being a light. Our whole goal is to make people feel seen and make people feel less alone. Um, we're very open on our show. I've cried on like three episodes and we're only on, only on episode 23. So um, we're very, very open with what we're going through in life. And um yeah, all because we want people to feel less alone. There's such a danger with social media um, where people are comparing their behind the scenes with other people's highlight reel. They're seeing everyone's good days and then they're feeling like their life isn't good enough or um, no one struggles with depression like they do. And so our whole goal of the show is to be as transparent as possible and um, add magic to their lives and their day. So well, I'm excited to be on it. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds magic. like fun. What's a, have you had a favorite episode thus far? Yeah, I have a couple. Um, Tom Shadiak, of course, because he's my mentor, my best friend, and I was just so happy to share him with the world um, even more. And then uh, Paul Selig, who's a channeler, so he channeled us um, and said what 
the spirit guides around were um, their message for us. And it was very powerful. That was our very first episode. And then lastly, Peter Craig, uh, maybe just three episodes ago, he, it was all about Tantra and being seen by your partner and relationship styles. And I just think that that, I just think that every, that this should be taught in middle school and high school, what was on his episode because our relationships would be completely different. So what would be the golden thread of that? Cause that's also something I talked about with my, the person mm. that cut my hair oh, really? about education <laughs> and like how education, she was talking about how like psychology should be more focused on. And what I heard her or self-awareness should be more of a subject. And I'm like, yeah, that basically if I was going to communicate sh- your needs. on the school system, like self-awareness would be like the foundation. So, so yeah. you, here you are saying this should be taught in yeah. uh, middle school. What, what should be taught? how to communicate your needs and how to, um, recognize patterns, um, probably love languages, um, relationship styles, all of these things that benefit you in not only the workspace, but in your romantic relationships and in your friendships. Like we just, we're not teaching the right things. There's a lot of missing dots. So Cool, and that this is a perfect segue to now what I was going to say about some of the things that I do are very like language oriented, or what oh. I, I love <laughs> to bring awareness to our language oriented. And you made a good example there at the end. I, I would say I rarely like let a lot of times people when they're talking about their own selves, they say the word you mm. or we. Mm. What do I do? Uh, you do a mix of it all. <laughs> you do a mix of it all. But there was there were certain things when you were saying you or we. Uh-huh. And I was like, I, but I loved what you're saying. So I'm like, uh-huh. cool. But then the last thing you said, we're not teaching the right things. I'm uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah, we are. We. <laughs> uh, or yes, I am. We as a culture. I, I, and by what I mean, yeah. I'm teaching America. the right things. I'm like learning out loud, basically mm. learning out loud. And I do think that uh, the school system is great at <laughs> producing like um, a, a factory worker of sorts, like an archetype of a factory worker. And there's outliers of sorts as well, but. I agree that the school system has room for many upgrades. Yeah. And uh, now I'm more curious about that episode with the guy that the talk- Peter Craig. Peter so good. Craig. Okay, yeah, cool. he's local, so you can have him on too. Oh, good, yeah. good. Yeah, I'm open for. I'm, if anyone's listening, if you want to suggest someone to be on the show or vice versa, let me know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this podcast has a real goal. I, I don't know for yourself, but ever since committing to it. It's opened up so many like golden opportunities beyond My life the conversation yeah. itself. Like here I am at Ellen's house because I met her on the podcast. Mm, yeah. Yeah. My life has changed because I started the podcast, like changed a hundred percent. So nice. What uh, compelled you to what? All right. So that's, I like that. So let's reverse engineer this. You're doing something that changed your life for the better. Mm-hmm. I, a lot, everyone wants that. Um, what was the steps to doing? Like, was there a feeling? Was there a hunch? And did you take action on it? Did you take a risk? What, how did you make that happen? Well, I kept going on MMA shows, um, because my background's MMA. So I kept going on MMA podcast and talking about my depression and my anxiety and getting an overwhelming response from people saying, oh my God, I would have never guessed. And I struggle with that too. And your story really touched me and like, what are some tips for this and that? And I just thought, you know, I started, I did a blog and then I was getting a lot of responses with that. And I just thought, you know, if I could dedicate a week, I mean, one day every week to just air something where I'm 
talking about this, interviewing experts, and then answering questions from the online community, it would take up actually less time than it is right now when I'm answering all these DMs, you know, on social media. So it started that way. And then I just thought Mercedes would be the perfect partner. She's the yang to my yin. And, um, you know, the moment we stepped into it, my life dramatically changed because it lit me up. And it's so important to find what lights you up because when you do, you tolerate the darkness less because you have something that's exposing it. If you're having a lot of darkness in your life, but you're not doing the things that light you up, whether it's ecstatic dance or what you choose as a career, the darkness doesn't stand out as much and it's easier to stay in that pattern. You know, the podcast really lit me up and the guest that we were interviewing really woke me up. I was having these conversations that were waking me up and reminding me what's out there and reminding me of my potential and there was just no way to stay in the situation that I was in or in the mindset that I was in. Wow. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can relate to that. <laughs> in so many ways. Now I'm like going down the rabbit yeah. trail of like all the different experiences I've had through the podcast. Yeah. What episode are you on? This, I believe, will be like number 34 or so. Awesome. 35. Yeah, a few months ahead of us. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> when did y'all start? Uh, Halloween week. Okay, I started uh, in December. But what? I've oh, got, you must be like I've gone knocking them out. Yeah, I've, okay. gone on, I've gone on the sprints, like the 12 before going to Hawaii. And I'm going I'm going next this weekend. Actually, if anyone l- listens to this tonight um, or the next few days, I'll be in Beverly Hills, Los Angeles area at the Bulletproof Conference mm-hmm. and probably doing like a marathon of sorts. Oh, awesome. Yeah, just back yeah. to back to back to back with this travel traveling gear. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be easy for you. It's if we. I mean, we do it on Skype, so. Yeah. We yeah. Need to do a little tour. I was, uh, and and then I'll I'll offer you this too. There's definitely a power in, of doing them in person. When I was doing them online, I don't know you can if you can relate to this or not. But when I was doing them online, I was missing the. These were like such powerful conversations. I'm like, I just want to, and the sometimes the the internet reception mm-hmm. <laughs> wasn't there and the, qu- and the quality when I was like One listening time to our guest car. cried and Skype froze oh. in the middle of her <laughs> yeah, see, I, I decided I drew a boundary there. So I'm like, I'm doing them in person now. Well, our goal, we just always need very strong Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but then the other person's Wi-Fi is where I really got. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I'll suggest, do you ever do them in person? Um, I would suggest if you can, but you said we she's... We did them at the Move With Magic event. Okay, but she's in a different location. She's mm-hmm. she's That's in Los Angeles. Okay. So we did them at, on it here at our Move With Magic event, and then we're doing another one at Mountain Film in Telluride, Colorado, um, Labor Day weekend, or Memorial, Memorial Day weekend, and then we'll be at the MMA Awards in Vegas in July. So we do live events. Um, but we don't, yeah, most of our episodes are on Skype. Cool, cool. It's funny, you said Telluride. I've um, been to every state, mm-hmm. and I have, uh, there's like the number one spot in my list in the United States that I haven't been to might be Telluride. And our next event oh is in uh, Colorado with the heavens. Maybe I should go there for, Telluride wait, when, when are you going to be there? Healing. June what? No, we'll be there uh, May 24th to oh, the 29th. I might be there too. What is that, yeah. film festival? Mountain film. It's all documentaries okay. about consciousness. Okay, yeah, that might because I usually like live at a place for a month leading mm. up to our experience. This is a little different now that we have a home base here, but maybe I'll see you there. But yeah. anyways, what are you gonna say about Telluride? It's just a very healing place. It's a population of like two thousand. It looks like a postcard. 
me and Tom used to go there every time we'd go through a breakup and just be breakup buddies and <laughs> eat all the good food. And so I am so excited to go back. Yeah, so Tom Shadiak, y'all are close. I had a quick interaction with him, like I said, when I was doing the underwater training with Laird. This is before they did XPT Life, which is an awesome experience. I did, I've been, they have uh, Laird and Gabby, mm -hmm. and they've worked with Brian McKenzie and other people. They have this, like, retreat mm -hmm. weekend experience. It's called XPT. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, where they take the group through their kind of, like, lifestyle design, mm -hmm. including the underwater training and the breathing and all that. And one time before that was even created, they were just doing this with a group of friends, and Tom was there. And I connected with Tom. Uh, he was awesome. Yeah. I just remember, like, like who is this guy? I even I was there to see Laird, and I was like, who yeah. is this guy? This you guy's can't crazy. Have, it's, it's the reaction everyone has, even the lady checking us out on the grocery store line because he has that effect you, on people. Do you put putting that a little? Oh, I'm a so sorry. Little, yeah. I, well, it's all good. I'm, I'm like, I could keep tweaking it, but I think that. Sorry. Um, yeah, everywhere we go, the waitress, the grocery checkout girl, he has that effect on everybody. That's cool. What do you think that is? Mm, I think he he just makes people feel seen because he takes the time. Most people don't take the time anymore to make the person in front of them feel seen. And he takes the time to look in their eyes, ask their name, ask what their day's like and like really hear and really respond and it's just people aren't used to that anymore so it's memorable uh, I went through a um he used to teach at Pepperdine and I'd go listen to him every Monday night and the security guy one time I said I'm here to see Tom Shadyac and he goes oh that's my best friend <laughs> I was like oh cool me too <laughs> and then um and later when I told Tom, he was like, oh, really? I've never seen him outside the, the security checkpoint. Oh, wow. So it just goes to show, like, he makes people that he only, like, a brief encounter like that. Most people just wave their hand, say their name, go. Tom makes a point to make them feel special, you know? And most people don't do that anymore. Yeah. Or I don't know if they used to, but we don't, most people don't do that. Yeah, but we do. We do? We do. <laughs> don't we? Do you? I need to be better at it. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm good at it with my loved ones. I don't know that I'm good at it with the person checking me in at a security checkpoint or at the grocery store. Hmm. Well, I think there's also for you, you got to be boundaries. I mean, I think that's always a balance because mm -hmm. it's kind of like the I, I love a good long like one minute ultra spiritual hug mm -hmm. <laughs> at the right time. Mm -hmm. But if uh, there's certain times when boundaries seem to be important as well. But and I definitely hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I think that's. I've uh, been in states where, and the, the, I think the podcast helps the create constraint mm -hmm. of this whole situation of everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Puts me in the state of where I'm purposefully like that mm. because I love being in a state where I can, like, listen to what's being said, listen to what's not being said. Mm. And, uh, like experience the, the beauty of an awesome human being that has like a good yeah. story to share. And when you're teaching something like you are on the show, um, it makes it harder not to live it. Right. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And that's why Cause you don't uh, want to feel like a phony, you know? Yeah. And I think there's a power of like, even by symbolizing, uh, this brand as breaking normal mm -hmm. I, like even how with this like we, we're here we are we could we could probably talk about the synchronicities all day it would just be like a, such an abnormal conversation a lot of my life seems to be 
breaking normal. I almost mm. feel like I embody an auric field. Like I'm in some sort of bubble where wherever I go, there's like weird, yeah. wonderful things happen. Wonderfully weird things That's happen. That's really cool. I take those really seriously. I should probably ease up on them and then they'd happen more. Uh, what do you mean you take them? What do you mean by I that? I just, like every time it happens, I'm like, this means something. <laughs> we have to do something right now because I saw this and then I heard that. I just take it super seriously. Hmm, maybe you can take it more sincerely. Sincerely, yeah. yeah. So that's what that's what um what it means like breaking normal sincerely versus seriously like what am I mm. labeling experiences as because that seems to like hold the hold the flow of where they go. Mm. So if am I labeling something as anxiety or am I labeling yeah maybe something not as needing exciting? to label all the time yeah. yeah or just letting it dissolve and mm. enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Um. I guess, is there anything on your heart or mind that like you would want to address? Because I'm realizing that uh, as this beautiful flock of birds flies <laughs> by, um, th- there's probably like, we could talk for hours about all kinds of topics. Um, but is there something that's most relevant for you in the moment? Hmm. Most relevant. Um, I think probably to encourage others to trust that like no matter what is handed to them or what they're going through, that they're going to look back and be so glad that they went through it and that it's just training them to be who they're meant to be. So as hard as it is, um, and not, not that we want to look at things like this is a test, this is a test, but really it's all tests, you know? So, um, trying to mold us into who we're meant to become. So, um, I know for me, there was a time when I used to, on New Year's Eve every year, I would give the previous year a word. So it would be trust or, um, um, peace or, um, you know, whatever, whatever that last year, um, symbolized to me, I'd give it one word and I'd write it on a rock. And then I have this like shelf of rocks at home. And a couple years ago, I stopped doing that. And I decided instead of giving the past year a word, I'm going to give the next year a word instead. So I'm going to go into the year with a big intention. And, um, this year, on New Year's Eve for this this year that we're now in, I wrote the word transformation. And I probably could have chose an easier word because <laughs> um, it has been transformational since literally the first week of the year. It has been like test after test or trial after trial or, you know, just challenge after challenge. Like, are you going to be who you say you are? Are you going to um, choose fear or love, um, you know, are you going to, are you going to choose to walk in your calling? Are you going to dumb it down? You know, it's like every single week things have gotten harder. And I know that by the end of the year, I'm going to be transformed into more of my inner shaman or my inner, my inner truth, my inner highest self. Um, so I think, yeah, the thing on my heart right now really is to just trust that, whatever you're going through is molding you into who you're meant to become and to just, I keep saying the word trust, but to just trust the universe that 
it sounds so cliche, but that like everything truly does happen for a reason and it's leading you to where you ultimately want to be. So, yeah, that's all I can think of at the moment. <laughs> nice. I'm happy I asked. Yeah. And I'm saying that to myself too. <laughs> yeah. I, and I love how you made the shift. Shift happens <laughs> from labeling the past to remembering the future in a mm, way mm-hmm. and symbolizing that with a, a word. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's what, I, you know, to circle it back to the school system conversation we were having earlier, that's my main hang up with school. Well, actually, there's, I don't know if I can say it's my main, but one of my <laughs> biggest one is, is the, uh, folk, the emphasis on regurgitating other people's ideas, hmm. like memorizing what other people thought Just in the past. Robotic versus creating an equal or even more emphasis on remembering a better future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that reminds me, you said that uh, this is, <laughs> I don't know if we fully went into the seven to seven with your kids, but you, you, oh. you build in a ritual of meditating with your kids. Is that what I heard at one point oh. before we started the podcast? Yeah, we do breathing exercises. Um, I... You know, it's been a lifelong goal of mine to attend the School of Compassion in Tibet uh, with my kids by the time before they're turned seven. It's a very expensive program, so still a goal. Um, I'm just going to set the intention that, you know, we're going to do it. But, um, yeah, they're two and three, so there's only so much, you know, uh, meditation that can take place. But they kn- they definitely know what meditation is. Wait, two? I just got, this is why I'm dumbfounded, I think, about this. Two? You're... Jaya is two and Sol is three. So that's why, because yeah. Davina is about to be two. And to mm-hmm. think of her sleeping by her in another room she from seven to seven. She needs to be seven. sleeping 12 hours a night. It's so important I know, for her I, brain I think we kind of do that. We But we just have to, we oh. share the bed. Like we, she goes, Davina puts, Deanna's putting her down to bed. She might be mm. raging during the time yeah. you were saying to make sure kids yeah. can express their anger. Well, because think about too, like how, when I have an hour less of sleep all week, every night I'm getting an hour less, an hour less. By the weekend, I am not my best self. Like, so toddlers already trying to figure out their freaking emotions because so much is happening that's so new for them. And then for them to have less sleep, they can't, they can't uh, regulate their emotions, you know? So it's best for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I'm just like, what, uh, was there a training? <laughs> I'm, just be, I'm being selfful now because I'm, like I said, there's so many things we could talk about. I'm like, for me now, I'm wondering how can we get D- Davina to sleep in a room by herself or like a crib by herself or something? Yeah, how, I would transition her into a crib in your room. In the room. And crib then, in the room. yeah. And, and that transition, are there any tips or tricks on that? I mean, I, I did it young. Um <clears throat> I had them sleep with me the first like six weeks, I think, oh, so and then moved them to a crib until six months, but in the room. Oh, wow. Yeah. We and then I moved them to their bedroom at six months. But, you know, mm. Soul was a very, That's we vaccinated six, six, six him up thing. until three months. And I think that that was why he wasn't a good sleeper because um, he didn't take well to the vaccines. And he also had a, which this is one of my number one regrets in parenting. He also had a tough circumcision. And so I wasn't, I was on the growth path, but I wasn't aware. My pregnancy was a big surprise. So I wasn't like as knowledgeable as I am now about not necessarily the do's and don'ts, but the, the background of it all, you know, the history of it all and why we do the things we do. So had soul been born now, things would be completely different. But with everything that, that, you know, took place in his first three months, he was not an easy baby. And, um, 
he was much harder to get to sleep 12 hours, but, um, I read a lot of the best book I can recommend is healthy sleep habits, healthy baby. Or I think, we, or I think I have that one downloaded. <laughs> yeah. So I went by that book. I still go by it cause I reference it every mm. six months. It changes a little bit. So I reference it. Um, but yeah, I, they sleep seven to seven. I put a little, um, clock in there. It's a little dog clock and, uh, he's holding a red ball and at seven o'clock it turns green. And so they know if they wake up when the light is red, they're supposed to play quietly in their room. And it doesn't always work because they're toddlers, but for the most part, they know green means go. Um, yeah, I think the younger you start it, the easier. Um, you know, you wait till four, six years old. It's it's tough. And, and also at that point, they've already suffered so much sleep loss that it's becoming a bad habit, you know, so. Yeah, I'm thinking there's got to be some sort of um... – I like the references you've given, but I'm I'm having there's a, I just feel like there's a lot of demand for new parents of how mm-hmm. to figure out like the breaking normal like not cultural dumb down like just uh, domesticate your children, but how mm-hmm. to like foster their genius mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of systems out there. I'm like I'm wondering if there's a breaking normal book out there. If I do that, I, I think yeah. that'd be a great reference. I can definitely say not to read Baby Wise. A <laughs> lot of parents in their desperation read the book baby wise and it is a very harsh book it is not i do not recommend that i honestly whenever i see that book i want to burn it like wow. i get real passionate about wow. wanting that so book I off the know planet what that book is so it, it's what, just a very the, harsh like what are some of the things in there that you are no, the the no. crying it out starts really young and and there's like no limit and it's just it's it's just so they recommend cry, letting the baby cry it out for as long as it takes, and as young as they are. And like you, that's, you're not, <laughs> you're not. I, so in the I, yeah, I had a really rough pregnancy, a really rough labor, and a really rough couple of new month, uh, new mom months. I was hallucinating from lack of sleep. I was so tired because he had a rough circumcision. Every time he'd pee, he would get, he would be in pain. So he was only sleeping 45 minutes at a time. And so I was hallucinating. I didn't have much help and, um, I had a really tough C-section. And so I was desperate and I read that book and, and I did go buy it for a little bit and then it just didn't feel right anymore. Uh, luckily quickly it didn't feel right, but I did do it for for I don't remember how long that whole life that whole stage of my life was a blur but well you're saying some things I just, I just want to make sure I take a note of so I interviewed the guy that created the Netflix documentary or it's more than Netflix but it's called American Circumcision mm-hmm. so yeah. I interviewed him yeah. just a few episodes ago in here and then also I think our, you pro, our mutual friend Kyle Kingsbury mm-hmm. I interviewed him in here and we were that's my kid's playmate is his son yeah okay cool cool yeah, yeah I was at work, their house this morning vortexing <laughs> up so and I we talked a little bit about vaccines on that too so you're there's a lot of buzzwords that I'm thinking if we're gonna keep it to an hour and eleven minutes this gives mm-hmm. us a good focal point about the circumcision the vaccines um and and the C-section. And did you, uh, did you say you had a C-section with soul? Yeah, I had a whole birth plan. You know, I wanted his dad to catch him. I wanted, um, a bunch of things to take place. I wanted to hold him while he was still connected by the umbilical cord for a certain amount of minutes. Wanted all these things to take place. And then on the solstice, um, on his due date, his, um, uh, heart rate kept dropping and so, like, every time I had a contraction, his heart rate would drop. 
And I actually had to drive myself to the hospital while having contractions. So it was like not an easy thing. I was in so much pain driving myself to the hospital. Couldn't find the the area of the hospital that I was supposed to be at. Didn't know if this baby was about to come out of me. And so I was definitely stressed out, but I just knew something wasn't right. I could feel it. And then of course we get in there and his, his heart rate keeps dropping. So, um, ended up having an emergency C-section and, um, I know that because doctors get paid so much more to perform C-sections, they happen way more often than they need to. But, um, in a situation like mine, I was like, Hey, do what's, do what's best for the baby, you know? So my birth plan went out the window. <laughs> well, I, I imagine that's uh, part of being a hero. It's like having mm. a plan mm-hmm. or a destination, like a, a mark, and then realizing wherever mm-hmm. it lands. Once you're committed, mm-hmm. then wherever you land is best. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've faced uh, nothing. You know, That's, I think, the power of being a woman and a mom that I don't know what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, physically yeah <laughs> metaphorically I do yeah <laughs> but not physically so I don't actually know if it maybe metaphorically I don't mm-hmm. because I, since I don't have the physical um reality but, but I got to witness it and I had my own experience I got yeah. to witness our baby being birthed and and it went according to our aim in a way oh, but not awesome. really mm. like we thought we were gonna be birthed in the water and that didn't happen <laughs> but I like I could see that at that point it's such a all-in surrender mm-hmm for me it was and I could definitely tell for Deanna it was she was like fully surrendered yeah and so that and then the circumcision that was that um you were saying that now you wouldn't do that in the future or what what happened yeah was that something you were you were like planning on getting a circumcision how'd that cat come up I'm curious so what's weird is he we were in there because it was a c-section an extra day than most people if you don't have a C-section, you're in there for like two days. If you have a C-section, you're in there three to four, depending on your bleeding. And, um, he'd been sleeping fine. He was a really peaceful baby. Like, um, I was like, oh, good. I got a, I got an easy one, you know? And then on the last day we were there, they asked to take him for his, um, circumcision. And I was really uncomfortable because I didn't know that it was going to be in another room. I thought I could be with him, but I couldn't walk. And they were like, no, no, we'll bring him back to you. It's a very quick procedure. And I hadn't even like looked into this to know. To me, it was like just normal procedure. And so they took him and it had been a while. I started to get really worried and they came back without him and they were like, oh, he's really upset. So we're going to wait a while to bring him back. And I was like, well, if he's really upset, like, let me hold him, you know? And they're like, no, no. So I could tell something wasn't right. And then they brought him back and it would just, they cut it wrong. And I mean, he looks okay now, but at the time they thought they were going to have to do it again. And it's like, you think about that being an entrance to someone's life. Like that's the entrance of someone's life is that they cut the most sensitive part of your body. And it's in almost all States now it's considered cosmetic, not in Texas yet, but it's considered cosmetic. So by the time my son's an adult, half of the people around him aren't going to be circumcised, you know? And um, I didn't, I just wasn't as knowledgeable as I w- would have liked to have been, but, um, yeah, it was a very painful thing for him. Every time he peed, even a little bit, it would burn and it was just, it was a hard start to his life. So if there's one thing, there's a lot of things I do differently, but if there was one thing I had to choose, it would be the circumcision I would, I would not do. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm on that page. I'm rarely like I rarely take such a clear stance on something, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty clearly like. Well, if you no look re- up the history, <laughs> yeah. there's no like if you want to watch a quick thing on it. Uh, Adam ruins everything is not always legit, in my opinion. There's times when I'm like, eh, Adam, no. But uh, the show Adam ruins everything on Netflix. He has a very quick 20 minute episode on circumcision, and uh, it is everything you need to know. And it's it's everything I've I've found out myself too. So that's a quick way to find out if you want to find it out in a humorous way, also. Yeah. yeah as funny as you can make it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and I would if you haven't listened to the podcast I did with Brendan Murata, American Circumcision. Mm. That's we cover it from all topics, and it's mm-hmm. pretty scary. Yeah, in a way, it really is. And and the one thing I stood for, I'm actually it wasn't in the podcast, but I've I've been in a lot of groups where that's a a, men, a lot of men feel I've seen I've actually seen men feel shameful for not being circumcised, mm. and then I've seen men feeling like. Um, well, there's men who want to but, grow back their yeah, foreskin, yeah, and they've figured out a way. So. Oh yeah, do you know anything about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, uh, that, that's a topic that you he can listen to our mentioned. episode with Aaron Alexander if you'd like. Oh, um, he was the last episode here. Just, of yours? Right here. He was like sitting oh, here, and I'm sitting He was our there. episode last week. Okay, vortex yeah, it up. So, <laughs> so he uh, he talks about on our episode how to grow back your foreskin. So. Wow. If you want. It's not going to grow back the sensitivity, but it'll grow back the skin. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's just I, I, the whole thing is crazy in my opinion. And then <laughs> uh, we have a whole episode about that, so dive yeah. in if you want. And then the uh, vaccinations. You're saying that? Uh, oh yeah. Did you? So I'd love to know your what your you, you said that there was an issue with the vaccinations or something, or you felt like something happened after? Or did I, I just noticed that um, you know because they give one or two in the hospital. Um, there was a noticeable difference in him. Um, but on his three-month one, I, that's when I knew this is not right. Like, he was a completely different child when at the three-month one because he was already cooing and laughing, you know, giggling, whatever, making eye contact with us, smiling at us, interacting with his toys. The three-month one, he stopped all that for a good couple days, and that's the first sign of autism. I'm not saying that, for sure that vaccinations cause autism, but I know that I had all the warning signs, the first, the first, um, signs in him at his three month vaccinations. And it scared the crap out of me. He also had a really high fever, wouldn't look at us, wasn't responding to anything. Um, when you'd jiggle a toy, wouldn't look at it even like no responses. And it scared the crap out of me. And that's when I knew, you know what, this already didn't feel right. I already didn't feel, it's not that I'm against vaccinations. I'm against the scheduling that we have them at. Um, When you and I, I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing we're around the same age. When we were kids, by age five, we only needed like under 10. Now it's over 50. And it's, it's absurd. It's all, to me, it's, it's a huge it's, it's all about money and, and, um, big pharma, like there are goals. I, I think that if you can listen to anything and it starts off a little bit slow, but if you can listen to anything, um, and I know you've listened to it, but Paul checks episode with, um, 10 
Petter or Peller? I, I don't think I've listened to this one. I know mm. Paul Check, but I think Kyle recommended the same one about yeah. vaccinations. Tin Peller, I I'm think is her name. Certain. Yeah, we'll, we'll correspond if that's true in the yeah. show notes. So I listened to it this morning, actually, and uh, for the second time. And, you know, the first 30 minutes might be a little bit slow, but if you get through to the facts, there's just – it just doesn't make sense what we're doing. And, um, Jaya, my daughter's never been vaccinated, never had, like never really been sick. Um, slept 12 hours without me having to train her. Um, not to say that all kids that aren't vaccinated will have that, um, happen with their sleep, but it just, she was just a noticeably different baby. And, um, I've also had five friends here in Austin that have vaccine injured children. One of them, uh, her son had the 18 month MMR. Her son was already saying, love you completely stopped talking. Once he had that vaccination, um, I have another, there's a MMA fighter, a well-known, um, retired UFC fighter whose son died after the 18 month vaccination. So there's just too many people that I know personally that have had issues to where I can't just take, it just doesn't feel right, you know? And, uh, what she talks about, on the Paul check episode is how, um, they don't, there's another book. I wish I could remember the name of the book. A, a book uh, that is good is, um, unbiased is uh, nourishing traditions talks about the pros and cons of every vaccine. Didn't tell you not to do them, just the pros and cons. But, um, you know, a lot of the things that a lot of the vaccines, um, they say that the vaccines eradicated, we're actually gone before the vaccine was introduced. So that's another thing like polio. It was because of the living conditions were so awful at the time, you know, and then the, the, um, in the book and in her episode, they, they give the, the timeline of when the polio vaccine had come out and when the last case had happened in between that time, there was like a huge gap. So yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for uh, sharing But I'm not an opinion. expert. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think it's good. Know. Like in a way, I, I give the disclaimers because I understand that I am in a matrix of mm-hmm. sorts and just speaking the language. Yeah. It's, yeah, like I don't know what's going on exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not given Davina vaccinations. We talked about that publicly. So, so mm-hmm. many people got offended. Yeah, it sucks. And, and uh, then we got so many personal messages about situations mm-hmm. that happened with their children once they were vaccinated. I just think it should be our choice too, right? Like the the fact that they're trying to take our choice away. Yeah. So what do you doesn't mean by feel that? Right. Oh, yeah, I saw. I think I they saw you post something They want to make vaccinations. Like if Hillary had won presidency, and I'm not saying I'm a Trump supporter, but if Hillary <laughs> had won, vaccinations would have become mandatory across the country. Um, so you're saying that, that you believe that there's some people that are wanting to lobby the law of vaccinations being mandatory. Yeah, and it's all for money. Yeah. And it, I, I wanted that- to – I forgot one thing about my own experience with vaccines because I haven't had many – I grew up in um, kind of all over foster homes and stuff. So my life was not – I wasn't able to do sports or get routine dental or vaccines. So I didn't hadn't really experienced them much, but – Right before I went to Africa on my first Uganda trip, I spent $1,600 on vaccinations because I, uh, the fear mongering that took place with everyone that found out I was going to Africa. Yeah, I remember thinking about going to Africa and so facing I, a similar yeah. situation. So I got $1,600 worth of vaccines the first time I went. I remember after I took those being so freaking exhausted. Like I felt, I felt like I, I, um, through, 
getting all those vaccines, I felt like I gained chronic fatigue syndrome because I never, after that, I wasn't myself. Like I was so tired for years. I felt like, where did all my energy go? And then, you know, a month later when I leave to Uganda, I was so freaking wiped out that I felt like I didn't even enjoy it the way that I had imagined because I was exhausted the entire time. And I, I noticed the difference immediately after the vaccine. So I think our body's just not meant to handle that many metals and preservatives. And I, I eat pretty healthy. So I think it was even a bigger shock to my body. Um, I ended up getting malaria on that trip, even though I got a malaria vaccine. The second and third time I went to Uganda, I didn't get any vaccines. I wasn't tired. I mean, I was a little bit tired because I never really got over that chronic fatigue syndrome that I think I may have gained from that. But I had a different, a noticeable different experience, but I also didn't get malaria. So I don't know, you know, that not only that it's a hundred percent necessary, but that they actually work the way that they tell us they do. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again <laughs> for uh, telling us what happened, what's happening for you. I feel yeah. like, uh, you're accurately reporting what's happening for mm-hmm. you, which is, I think a great aim for life. That's a way and aim for my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought about that when uh, the when you were I, when I when I go back to the birthing personally, there's a, so much that comes up for me thinking about that experience, and I remember experiencing like so many spectrums of the emotions, so mm-hmm. many like definitely beautiful, mm-hmm. but like guilt, shame, fear, like what, like mm-hmm. just all like frozenness, like it's all. I, I and then one thing in particular that might have a, a pattern between me and you, and you were talking about the caffeine addiction and I was talking about other things I've ritualized mm-hmm. I am so used to in a way and this is a story I can get over if I want to but so used to doing certain rituals and in the evening in particular mm, this too. time in my life mm-hmm. usually drinking a two to a few beers and mm-hmm. smoking some cannabis slash tobacco mm-hmm. and we were up all night like the birthing was just so intense and everything you know I, it was weird because I was like I think I'm I didn't know what I was doing anymore. I was getting delirious and there was decisions supposed to be made. And I remember Uh like using cannabis and tobacco and then the birthing happening and thinking like, whoa, I I felt like a, an immense amount of guilt. And I know that's the other scary thing is on day three or four, when they want to give the vaccines or the circumcision, you're so freaking delirious. Oh, I can only imagine that. Oh, that's so crazy. That's such a crazy, and I'm so happy. Like, and I when you really... try, even with Jaya, when I tried to say no, and I, I did, I stood my ground. It was like, I was so delirious when then, when they were arguing with me. And I mean, multiple wait, doctors. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Now you're talking about a new story, right? Soul and Jaya. Soul yeah. So Jaya two... had no vaccinations. Okay. But I was so delirious both times because I gave birth, you know. But what were they arguing with you about? The nurses, they kept coming in and pushing every vaccination they could give, the vitamin K, everything. Remind and I was me, so delirious. Boy or girl? Girl. Girl. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, and this is so you were at this point with Jaya, you were like no vaccinations, no. nothing. Yeah, and, and then they came. I want to hear. Like, but you're what so do you delirious. Think, what do you think happened there? I'm very curious about. So I, I like. I'm well, very they make so in the, much money off of each. But vaccine. the subtle social interaction. What happened? You're saying the nurses came in there and did what? Yeah, they were. They would. They'd come in. You know, knowing that how exhausted I was, they'd come in and try to push the vaccine. Ask me again. Ask me again try to push everything. And it was like, when you're that delirious, it's almost impossible to stand your ground. All you can really say is like, I said, no, (laughs) you know, like, and I had my book with me that I was referencing, but you know, it's, it's just, it's almost kind of like 
it's all the more tricky because you're so delirious when they're presenting you with all these options and trying to make you think that you're a bad parent and you're putting your children in such a high if, risk if situation. not doing it and you and that's when you so you were just a no the whole time with jaya mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty crazy i mean this uh i i imagine this transmission i don't know where we're at yeah a little over an hour and three minutes here mm-hmm. that at hour and three so mm-hmm. we have a good seven more <laughs> um for anyone in the parenting world especially new parents the issue with this information, though, is if especially if your information holds true for a lot of people and they might not even be willing to accept it, it's hard for people to accept that they well, may have done something do for best. their children that wasn't the best for them. Yeah, and we're all trying to do our best. And I'm not here to mom shame or any of that or, or shit on anybody, but um, I know how hard it is, yeah, to, to read circumcision stuff or see circumcision stuff and know that I, I screwed that up, you know? And it, it's like, it's it eats at me sometimes. So I know how hard it is to, to hear stuff that goes against what you've done, but it's never too late to, to change. But also the people who don't agree, it's because they think that they're doing what's best for their kid. We all are just trying to do our best. We're all just trying to be happy. We're all just trying to ease our own pain. You know, like I don't think that anyone's trying to hurt their kids by vaccinating them or not vaccinating them. Honestly, nobody really is. I don't think. I agree. <laughs> That's the tricky part. Mm-hmm. That's is. that's part of like why tribe design is created mm-hmm. to have that type of interaction and figure it out mm-hmm. rather than getting like so like um, a, a viral idea yeah. taking over the mind. Yeah, and I mean I I don't get angry at anybody for vaccinating their kids, but people get so angry at me for not vaccinating theirs. And vaccine people kids who have been vaccinated, they shed that vaccine, so they get mad thinking that your kids that are not vaccinated are going to endanger them, but their kids shedding all that vaccine is, you know what I mean? So it's like, there's reasons for both sides to get so upset with each other. But if we can instead make the case for the other side and just remember that we're all doing the best with what tools we have. And this goes to the roots of, I guess, all uh, like war. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now we're in deep roots yeah. at the end of the conversation here. Mm. This one. Yeah disagree what do you do what do you do when you disagree have you figured any ultimate hacks about that like where Mm. if there's like a real emotional you know i have my triggers you know um alcohol is a big trigger for me um meaning that if someone's drinking alcohol around you not like if we're at dinner and they have a margarita but people who often they drink daily or um they have I see them drunk regularly um, or the way they behave when they're drunk. It's a big trigger for me. Um, Someone who makes light of being an alcoholic, like it's funny, you know, Um, like there's a bunch of memes about alcoholism being funny. If you really like look at the meme, it's kind of glorifying the fact that they're drunk all the time or drink or, you know, in the day drinking, whatever. Um, That's a trigger for me that I'm trying to work out. Um, And, you know, there's some pain there, of course, that's why I'm triggered. So that's something that I'm working on this year because I've, um, like I said earlier in the episode, I've noticed I have a codependency on other alcoholics trying to heal their alcoholism Mm -hmm. in a sense of trying to heal my childhood and my parents' alcoholism. So I don't drink. Um, I'll have sake when I have sushi or margarita at a Mexican restaurant, but it's typically one. But so I'm not saying never drink, but I tend to gravitate towards alcoholics and try to heal them 
and a means of healing my childhood. So that's a major codependency. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm recognizing that trigger and how much it stirs up negative emotions in me. So that's my big task right now. To hang around alcoholics. No, (laughs) actually to, to stop, to stop doing that. Um, yeah. Um, because you're at this point, you're seeing it as a pattern that you can it's a transcend. a big pattern in my relationships. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I'm, yeah. I'm making light of it paradoxically. Yeah, <laughs> since no, it's okay. Like yeah, when people make light of it. Yeah. All right, so we have like a few more minutes left. You, um, do you have any, you want to do like some rapid fire questions? Sure. Why don't we just do that for like uh, until the episode's over in about three? That's like three minutes and thirty three seconds. So that's pretty perfect. I okay. Think. All right. Um, I'll start. Okay. Okay. What did you think I was going to ask you? Um, I figured you were going to ask me my life story. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hard to sum up, you know, in yeah. an episode. So it's a stressful question. So, yeah. You want to popcorn it back to me? Oh, so it's my yeah, turn. Yeah, yeah, we'll do a little okay, popcorn okay. back and forth. Um, what was my most surprising answer to your questions? Um, hmm. <laughs> I think my most, I don't know if it's an answer, but like when I was talking about my experience of the birthing and then you mm-hmm. re-related it to yours, mm-hmm. I like felt bypassed in a good way. Mm. Like I was like, I think I got heady about this cannabis to beer thing. And uh, then you went back to you and I was like, I was surprised and thankful. I almost mm. felt like I was subconsciously uh, held accountable. Well, to I a was seeing standard. it as delirious. Like we were talking, <laughs> I I saw it as we were talking about being delirious. <laughs> either way, either way, that was just my quick popcorn uh. answer. I think in the moment. Okay, okay. Um, hmm. Bum, bum, bum. What are you looking forward to most in the next year? Oh God, getting through the year. <laughs> getting through it. Yeah, it's a tough year already. So I'm just ready for this season to be done. And to move forward in the next season. I know it sounds so awful, but I am ready to be done we with this talk, lesson yeah, I can, in this I season. I can give a, a different perspective at another time, maybe okay. off the air. <laughs> but for the sake of the popcorn game, I'm ready for your next okay. question. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Whoa, that was like a classic <laughs> sneeze. If someone could um, record that, like you have, you could sell that to like iMovie next, oh, God. On their next edition for a sneeze. You're going to make me do it again. Um. Oh man, now I'm thinking of funny things. I did want to like get a brief, um, just window of what you said you lived at the Play ba- Playboy Mansion. Mm-hmm. I wanted a brief window of that, but why don't we do this till an hour and 11 minutes, which is one more minute, and then we'll decide if we want to talk about okay. that for this episode or another one. Okay. You have another question? Oh, my! it's my I turn again. Turn. Unless you um, want the sneezes were the questions. <laughs> they distracted <Yeah>. me. Um, <clears throat> what's been the biggest challenge for you as a host of a podcast? The uh, logistics, like just mm. plugging in this yep. and like setting up the camera and yeah. then like sending the file Believe after this, like not. sending the file to my yeah. audio producer. It like those look part. in between logistics. I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what is your favorite part about your episode that we do together? Remembering the future. The one that's coming up? Yeah. Um, 
you making people feel um, like they are less alone with your story on why you do what you do with the tribe design. <laughs> awesome. And that's an hour and 11 minutes. Awesome. Now I can extend it for, we could do like another three minute constraint to just get a peek <laughs> if, if that works for you or if you want to save it for another time. It's up to you. All right. All right. What you said you lived there. Is that in Beverly Hills or yep. where is that at? Mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. How long? Yeah. How long? Just a summer. Just a summer. Mm-hmm. And what does that even mean? I, I know very little bit about that, but I know that's like a famous place and I mm-hmm. know, is it, how many yeah, people live there? Well, there's different contracts. You know, he has his girlfriends. Well, he did. He has, have, has passed away, but he had his girlfriends um, and then he had his bunnies and then he had his living bunnies and the bunnies that lived off and just came Thursdays through Sundays. It was all different types of contracts, all different types of pay scales too. So, um, yeah, I was just testing it out to decide, you know, kind of what I wanted to do. And I didn't, um, it was not the fit for me. Um, it was definitely a part that I'm glad I experienced. Um, I'll never regret shooting with Playboy. I think I did, um, six or seven of their magazines. Um, I think it's about that. And, uh, I'll never regret it. I made some of my closest girlfriends there. Um, you know, it's cool that I got to meet Hef. It's not like, it's not like a big, um, it wasn't a big goal of mine, but it's cool that I got to experience that. Um, and, and, and be in the mansion. The mansion's a very unique place. But to me, it was also a very lonely place. It had a very um, controlling, oppressive feeling to it. Um, I didn't feel peace at night when it was time to go to sleep. It felt very, um, just a lot of foreign energy or stuck energy. Um, Yeah, so I chose to not um, pursue it further. Although I did, con- uh, staying in the mansion, but I did continue to shoot with the magazine for a couple of years. Wow. That can be a whole, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> I, I imagine I could like dive into just the facets of that. And that'd be a really fun conversation yeah. for us to have. Maybe if there's ever a part two and then uh, yeah. the ring girl part, what does that mean? You like, so you hold the cards up before and after yeah. the fights. What's that like? So, that sounds like it'd be <clears throat> crazy too. Yeah. So that job came before playboy and that, um, was it was a dream job it was uh you know just a ring girl but I had the best seat in the house right next to the cage and with Mercedes my co-host that's how we got close um and so Playboy actually approached me while I was with Bellator a couple times and I had said no a few times and then you know mostly because of the guys I was dating weren't okay with it I was in my young 20s but then there was something you know, triggers show up at different times in your life from your childhood. And I had been adopted into a really religious family when I was 16. And, uh, it was a very controlling situation. And when I left, it was very much Jade's on the path of darkness. Like nobody can talk to Jade. And I had, um, married who they wanted me to marry, who they, who they felt God had for me. I had done everything they asked me to do. And I finally felt like, you know, I'm not living my own life. I, I wasn't, they didn't want me to go to college because they felt it would take away from the kingdom of God. And when I finally did go to college, because I finally got the approval, I, I was here like experiencing other people that were like living 
their lives outside of this bubble, you know? And, and so when I decided to leave there and leave the marriage, um, I, it was a lot of condemnation. And when I finally did take Playboy, it was like a, I'll show you the path of darkness, you know, like it was a very out of spite the very first time. Um, so I will say that I chose it for the wrong reasons, but again, I don't, I don't regret that I did it. Yeah, that's um, that's great, and we got our creative constraint. Like I said, I, there's, uh, there's so many good stories. Well, to be continued, and there was one thing that I wanted to say about that whole thing. Oh, you're the kingdom of God. What, are, we, were, are you referring to a specific religion or? A, they called it the government of twelve. What is, um, is it has this? a Wikipedia if anyone wants to look it up. But basically, you have twelve disciples, and then they go get twelve disciples, and then they go get. So 12 this disciples. is like a religion of sort is, or a cult, yeah, or a, kind of. And, and this then, is what you grew like. You grew up in. I know. Or? I was adopted into it when oh, I was were, sixteen. Oh wow! Because I was living on. I was the living like bookends. There's so many breaking yeah. normal topics here. At wow. the time, I was living like in my car, working at Chuck E. Cheese, and this oh. youth pastor came up to me and was like, "Hey, God, God put it on my heart to to have you come live with us." And to me, it was like I hadn't told them that I was homeless. So um, it was, to me, God speaking. And then, you know, they were so caring and loving that I thought, these people love me so much, they're never going to do something bad for me. And it's true. They did love me. But they were doing what they thought was best in a very controlling way. And what they were taught, I guess, I don't know. But it was a very um, controlling situation, and, and it was very damaging. I am so glad I was taken off the streets because I did not end up addicted to drugs or a pregnant teenager. I am so glad. I think that this was definitely the better path. But it was also a very hard path. And um, so there's some triggers that come up there. Um, control issues, judgment, um, things like that, self-worth, um, because it was always taught that we're not good enough, you know. Um, and my weight was always an issue. It was just, there was always so many things, but yeah. So when I first chose Playboy, it was like a big F you to them, you know? And, and, and that's, so I started out for the wrong reasons, but, um, I don't regret it. And I have worked through a lot of forgiveness, um, with that area of my life and other, other childhood areas of my life, but still have a lot to do. <laughs> yeah. I can tell is it shows, it glows. Thank you oh, so much for flowing with me yeah. here. It looks like we got the warning for our office yeah. space. To, it is over it officially. It smells like spaghetti or lasagna or something. So. Uh, I, it's probably cooking too. Maybe pancakes if I had to guess. <laughs> uh, what's the best place for people to find you if they want to um, learn more? Well, my Instagram and Facebook is at the Jade Bryce, T-H-E, Jade Bryce. And then my um, podcast is The Magic Hour. And that's the same across all social media, at The Magic Hour. The Magic Hour on iTunes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm excited to uh, show up for a magic hour. It yeah. seems like there's probably much more on the radar. And uh, yeah, keep breaking normal, y'all. Yep. Thank you. Thank Peace. you, guys. This boy and girl are going to be well equipped when the time comes to take their places as worthy members of adult society. <laughs>